You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Before we get into the Word, if you came in and you didn't receive a handout and you want to receive a handout to jot down some notes, just hold your hand up. We've got a few of them in the back. We'll get one to you. If you need a pen, we'll get one of those to you. So you are thoroughly equipped to be able to come away today knowing what the Word of God says. But I want to uh, open our, our, the message portion of our service with prayer. So would you pray with me? Father, What an awesome privilege it is to be able to stand before your people and to believe you, to trust the Holy Spirit, to uh, bring to bear in my heart what you desire for me to speak to the people. And so, Lord, I want to fulfill your will, plan, and purpose. I want to say what you want me to say. So I ask you, Lord, think through my thoughts, speak through my vocal cords, through my mouth. I give you permission, Lord. And we believe together, Father, as a congregation to hear from heaven today. And that, Father, as we do, I believe that lives will be impacted. As I prayed earlier, I believe none of us will leave here the same, that we're all going to be impacted by the Word of God. And, Father, concerning this specific message, I ask you, Lord, to help me to deliver and minister to the people exactly what you want them to hear And I believe you for it, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is week number nine in our series called Jesus the Healer. Is he still a healer today? Say that with me. Say, Jesus is a healer. Say it. Let's make it personal. Say this. He is my healer. I am healed. I am the healed of the Lord. Amen. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I think we can say, let the healed of the Lord say so. Amen. Well, let's look at our foundation scripture that we've been basing this entire study on, and that's found in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Peter, again, summarizing the ministry of Jesus as he was preaching to the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius. He summed up Jesus' ministry by saying this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Say doing good and healing. Say healing. All who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You know, Jesus doesn't want anybody oppressed by the devil. He doesn't want the devil to have access into anybody's life. And that's why he paid the price that he did to set us free. Colossians chapter one said that he has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son so that the enemy's power over us can be broken. And it is broken. We just have to receive it and walk in it and walk in the fullness of that. But I love the fact that God did anoint Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, what I want to do today is I want to begin laying some groundwork. We've covered a whole lot in the previous eight weeks talking about healing. And by the way, I could preach on healing from now until next January and still not exhaust the subject. Um, You know, I don't know that I will. If the Lord directs me, I will. But I want to today begin to lay some groundwork for you on what I believe is a huge key and you and me being able to receive anything from the Lord. And, and especially healing, uh, you know, physical healing is a need that you have. Um, this will help you in being able to receive healing. If you need help with peace, what I'm going to talk to you about this week and next week will we'll lay the groundwork for you to be able to receive peace and to walk in peace uh, whatever it is that, that your need, how many of you know, let me ask this question. How many of you are aware that God wants to meet all of your needs, no matter what those needs are? It could be physical, it could be financial, it could be, you know, mental, it could be, uh, you know, in relationships, whatever that is, God wants to meet each and every one of those needs. And so 
I'm going to be giving you a key, but as we're talking about healing, I'm going to give you a, a couple of real important keys on being able to receive healing. And as we said last to, to you last week, being able to maintain your healing. You know, it's important. It's great to receive and to obtain healing from the Lord and to walk in healing, but it's a whole nother thing to maintain healing. And so we're going to look at those things this week. So what I want to do is go to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to read several verses from Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to do it kind of line by line this week, not reading the whole portion of scripture first, but we're going to read a verse and then I'll make some commentary and give you some things to jot down. So let's look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. The scripture says this, now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, for those of you who might not be familiar geographically with where he is, he's in the northern part of Israel. Uh, if you've ever looked at a map, you'll know that Galilee is the area that surrounds the Sea of Galilee, which is in the northern part of Israel. Samaria, which was the capital of the old divided kingdom is over to the northwest. And so Jesus on his way to Jerusalem kind of went out of his way to go to this particular part of the country. Now, as I've said to you often, Jesus didn't do random. He didn't do accidental and he wasn't lost. Everywhere he went, he went on purpose and he did what he did on purpose now, let me tell you a little bit about Samaria. As I mentioned to you, Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom back when Israel was divided. You had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. If you are a student of Bible history, particularly Old Testament, Old Testament history, you'll know that Samaria was a very uh, paganistic, idolatrous. They're, they got way off course early on and began wor worshiping Baal and and uh, several other gods that they had made for themselves. And so they had really gotten themselves into trouble. And uh, Samaritans were not 100% Orthodox Jews. Now here's why. Because during that period of time, they intermingled with other uh, peoples, that people groups that were around them, which was something that God told them not to do. And so they married outside of their own nationality, outside of their own people. And so the, the Samaritans were considered half-breed Jews by the Orthodox Jews down around Jerusalem and in Judea. And so they were despised by the Orthodox Jews. Well, Jesus would have been considered an Orthodox Jew. And so the Orthodox Jews that hung around Jerusalem and were deep students of the Bible and all of that, did not have anything to do with the Samaritans. You remember there was a, a Samaritan woman that came to Jesus and Jesus made the comment, I'll mention this in, in a few moments, but you remember where he told her, he said that uh, the master's bread should not be given to the dogs. You remember him saying that? Well, he was referring to this Samaritan woman, the fact that she was a half-breed. Now, he wasn't saying that to put her down. He was trying to inspire her faith and it worked. So despite all of this, Jesus purposefully walked through the middle of this region. Now, religious tradition did not dictate, nor did religious people dictate to Jesus where he went, what he did, and what he said. Jesus did whatever God wanted him to do. And so just because it wasn't acceptable to go and minister to this group of people, that didn't hold Jesus back. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus went anywhere there were hurting and or hungry people. Jesus went where there were hurting and hungry people. That's all that qualified these people to be ministered to by the Lord. They were seeking, they desired some things from God and the fact that they were hurting and needed God's help is what directed Jesus to go and minister to these people. And again, he didn't care. He didn't, he didn't care if you liked it or not that he went and ministered to these Samaritan people. 
And you know what's interesting, and I love this about the Lord, is that no matter how far off course your life might get, Jesus is always pursuing you. And he wants you. And he wants you back. And, and you know, he knows the history about what happened with these people. And so Jesus will pass right through someone's life on purpose in order to get to them, no matter how jacked up their life might be. You know, the Bible says that mercy, in Romans, it says that mercy has come upon all men. You know, what I find interesting about that, did you know that you could be sitting in one of the deepest, darkest bars, nightclubs, joints, whatever you want to call it, and if you're sitting there and you decide, I want to give my life to Jesus, did you know Jesus will meet you right there? It doesn't matter. If anybody turns their heart towards the Lord, he is right there waiting on them. Now, he won't let you stay in that environment, but he will meet you in that environment and change your life so that your life can go on a different course. And so Jesus was letting these people know that, that yes, you're considered to not be full Jews, but I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to minister to you anyway. And so I, I want to say this to you. Jesus will never force himself on someone, but he is available to, to everyone who will receive him. Okay, he will never manipulate or control your will to choose him, but he's always available if you decide to choose him. Isn't that good? All right, so we have Jesus. He's going to this, this part of the country and he's going to minister. Verse 12, and it says, Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men. How many? How many? Ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, if you know, and I've talked to you about this before, but people that, that were uh, diagnosed or had, had, had gotten leprosy, you know, according to Jewish law, were considered outcasts. They had to be removed from society. And the reason being is, at this particular time, leprosy was a highly contagious disease and uh, it was ultimately uh, terminal. And, you know, it just took a long process and a long progression for the disease to get to this point. But, but according to Jewish law, that the, if you were a leper, you had to be separated from society. You immediately lost your job. You immediately lost your family. Uh, there was no treatment for you. And so the only thing they could do was put you with a group of people who were just like you. And so you would oftentimes find near larger cities and towns uh, what were called leper camps or colonies, you might have heard. And this was just a group of people that were all in the same condition that lived together and functioned together. And, and what I think is cool is that even though these people were deemed as outcasts by the religious environment of the day, Jesus purposefully went to minister to them. Now, what do you think Jesus went to minister to them for? Do you think he wanted to come and just rub their hand and say, bless your heart? You know, Jesus was Southern. He would have said, bless your heart. That was a joke, okay? He, he wasn't Southern. Paul was because he kept saying y'all. But anyway, anyway. So all of these people, these 10 men, uh, were separated from everybody else. And notice it says they stood afar off. And Jesus went to meet them. Now, another aspect that you need to know is that if someone got leprosy, the majority of the population believed that God did it. You must have messed up so bad and sinned so bad that, that God got mad at you and therefore he put leprosy on you and uh, it was just something, it was punishment for something that you had done and as I mentioned, it's terminal and you're just going to have to live your life the rest of the way with this disease and there was no hope for you. Well, as we've said all throughout this particular series, and I, I cannot emphasize this point enough, I didn't put it in your notes, but I want to say it to you, God does not 
put sickness and disease on people. We make ourselves available to it by getting into disobedience and stepping out of God's protection. But God doesn't put leprosy on people because he's mad at them. God doesn't put the flu on people because he's mad at them. God doesn't give people cancer. No, not at all. Where's he going to get it? Everybody that God comes in contact with gets healed. Well, he'll get the devil to do it. Well, I got news for you. God doesn't have to get the devil to do anything where it comes to stealing, killing, and destroying. He does that all. He's self-employed. He does all that on his own. All right? Y'all still here? Okay, so God doesn't put sickness, disease on anybody. If anything, Jesus came to this village so that he could minister to these 10 people, these 10 men. So these, these lepers came as close to Jesus as they possibly could without violating the guidelines of the law. So let's look at verse 13. It says, and they lifted up their voices. So they were kind of all saying this together. And they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now I want to say this to you. They would not have called out to Jesus unless they knew Jesus could help him, help them. So apparently word had gotten to them. Maybe, you know, another leper in another village had gotten healed and came and told them there was hope for them that if they could ever come in contact with Jesus of Nazareth, that they could be healed. And so what is interesting to me is what they said. What do I say in, in, teaching you pay attention to the okay so what is it specifically that they cried out and they said to Jesus Jesus master have mercy on us you know it's interesting notice they did not say Jesus heal us what they cried was have mercy on us and I would like to submit to you today that perhaps there was something that Old Testament believers and people in the, the New Testament might have had a glimpse of that we've kind of forgotten. And that is an understanding of the mercy of God. Okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about the mercy of God. We'll see throughout many scriptures, we're going to look at quickly this morning, how this happened a lot. So what this tells us is in the fact that they cried out and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Write this down, please. This tells us that healing is a flow of God's mercy. Now we often acquaint or attach mercy to forgiveness of sin. And there's nothing wrong with that. It does include that. But I think what we have done is we've forgotten what else is included in God's mercy? We're going to talk a little bit about the character and the nature of God today because I believe if we can understand some things about God's mercy, it will expand our understanding on the character of God. All right, so let's look at some scriptures that talk about this. Psalm 145 verses 8 and 9 says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in what? Okay, so I want you to see what the description is. He's gracious, he's full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. Now, two of the things that I want to draw particular attention to that we're going to see show up is him being full of compassion and great in mercy. Okay? Now, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul wrote this. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. You know, I, I'm amazed sometimes. I wish folks would read the Bible because I'll hear preachers say sometimes, God doesn't want us to be comfortable. And I'm like, well, okay, let's back up a moment. 
Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the, what? Comforter. And then this verse right here says that God is the God of all comfort. God wants you comforted. Now, I know that, doesn't, that, that kind of flies in the face of religion, but what I want you to see is, yeah, yes, that does not mean that we will not experience life. But how many of you know in the middle of life happening to us or around us, we can be at peace, we can be at comfort, because we have some confidence and assurance in our Heavenly Father. But I want you to see this. Notice it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Say mercies. Is that singular or plural? Plural. That means that God has more than one type of mercy. All right? Now, forgiveness of sin is a mercy. Mercy and grace are connected in that respect. Uh, Obviously, as we're going to see here in just a moment, healing is another one of God's mercies. I believe divine protection is one of God's mercies. Okay? So there are many mercies that God has that he pours out on his people. Now, let's look at some scriptures. There are four occasions in the Gospels where people came to Jesus to receive from Jesus and they did not cry out for what they, what we would think they needed. They cried out for mercy. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. It says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, notice what they said, have mercy on us. Now, now if you're blind... What is it that you want? Come on, say it. Don't be scared. Your sight. You want to see. Okay? But notice that's not what they cried out for. They cried out for mercy. Now, what's interesting, and I love this story. You can go and read it on your own. But um, Jesus was in Capernaum, and the Bible says, and, and you know, I'm going to make this comment, and I don't have time to really explain it. I believe Jesus had a home in Capernaum because that's where he based his ministry ultimately after he left Nazareth and came south in Capernaum. But the Bible says that when he went into the house, these two blind men followed him into the house. Okay, so I want, to, want you to picture this with me. When you go home today and you pull up in your driveway and you're getting out of your car and you go up to your door and you get your key out and you unlock your door and you're on your way in the house, what would you do if you turned around and, or when you got out of your car, there was two blind people in the yard that said, hey, Jesus, have mercy on us. And so you continue walking up to your front door, you unlock your front door and you start to walk in the house and you turn around and these two guys are following you in the house. What that tells you is they either crazy or they want something really bad. Well, the long story short, they ended up getting healed. Why? Because they cried out for what? Mercy. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 22, this is the, the woman that came to Jesus uh, uh, and her daughter uh, was, was demon-possessed. She comes to him. This is the one that I mentioned earlier where he said, uh, you know, I can't take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs and so forth. But notice what this what lady, she didn't ask, Jesus, will you please cast the demon out of my daughter? Jesus, will you please set my daughter free? It says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, what's interesting, both in the, the situation before and this one, notice what they said, son of David. Now, again, we gloss over little phrases like that, but what they were saying when they acknowledged son of David, they were acknowledging, I believe you are the Messiah, the one who is to come, who is of the lineage of David and who will one day sit on his throne. And so they were crying out and saying, have mercy on me, 
chosen one, anointed one, the Messiah. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And, you know, Jesus had the conversation with her and told her to go home. Her daughter's fine. And sure enough, her daughter got delivered. And then you'll remember over in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 15, a man came to the disciples whose son was having epileptic seizures and it was throwing him in the water and throwing him in the fire. And if you'll recall, the disciples weren't able to cast the demon out. And so Jesus has a conversation with the father. And, and uh, so the father says, you know, I can't, told him the whole story. And he said to him in verse 15, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. So he didn't say, Lord, deliver my son, set him free from this epilepsy. No, he said, have mercy on my son. And so it says, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And if you know the long story short, Jesus ended up delivering the boy. But isn't that interesting that another part of the mercies of God is deliverance. So we have healing, we have forgiveness of sin, we've got uh, deliverance in the mercies of God, we've got divine protection, all kinds of things. Peace is all part of the mercies of God. And then lastly, we've got uh, two blind men. Now one of the Gospels uh, talks about um, two blind men and then there's another story in Mark's Gospel where it was blind Bartimaeus. But here in, in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30, Two more blind men sitting by the road when they heard that Jesus was passing by, notice what they cried out and said, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Again, acknowledging what I just told you that that meant. But notice they didn't cry out, Jesus, can we receive our sight? No, they said, Lord, have mercy on us. And then over in Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter in the 47th verse, this is blind Bartimaeus. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And long story short, you remember they came to him and they said, shh, you got to be quiet. The ushers came to him and said, y'all are making, you're making too much noise. You're going to disturb Jesus' church service. And you know what? They didn't care. Blind Bartimaeus didn't care. He, the Bible says he began to yell all the louder, Jesus, have mercy on me, son of David. And you know what happened when he cried out for God's mercy, when he cried out for Jesus to have mercy on him and acknowledge Jesus, I believe you are the anointed one, the son of David, the Messiah. Jesus stopped in his tracks and turned back and went and gave Bartimaeus his sight. I want to show you something that if you'll begin, if you'll learn and find out how to begin to cry out and lean upon the mercies of God, Jesus won't pass you by either. He will stop and come to you. Matter of fact, in all of these situations, write this down, anything that their life needed, God's mercy could fulfill. If you need physical healing today, it's in the mercies of God. If you need financial provision, it's in the mercies of God. If you need peace today, it's in the mercies of God. All of those things are in the mercies of God. I, I hope that you're just listening because you're, you're not responding to me and I'm really preaching hard. I'm sweating. It's, you know. Let me show you another verse in the Old Testament. One of my favorite verses, popular psalm was written from this verse. Look at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. I told you I was going to show you some things about the mercies of the Lord. It says this, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Hallelujah. Because his compassions, I told you his mercy and his compassion are attached. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. Because his compassions fail not. They, they what? The Lord's mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know the song, Great is Your Faithfulness? Well, this is what that's based on. Now, I want to break this down. Notice it says that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. You know, God is such an extravagant God. 
He's such a good God. And when you get in and, and we talk about what all is, is included in his mercies and you realize every morning when you wake up, there's a brand new set of mercies waiting for you. God is such an extravagant, good, loving Heavenly Father. He doesn't expect you to live off of yesterday's mercies. When you get up on Monday morning, he'll have a brand new set available for you. Fresh, waiting on you with your name on it. God wants us to live in his mercies every day. If he didn't, otherwise, why would he give us new ones every morning? He wants us to live in these things. Anything his mercy can do is available to you every single day. Receive his mercies. Healing is an outflow. As I said, his peace, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, all of those things are outflows of God's mercy. Now write this down, please. The mercy of God. Anybody ever needed help from the Lord? I have. I needed help this past week. What am I talking about? I needed help yesterday. Some of y'all did too. All, well, the mercy of God contains all of the help of God. See, when you cry out and you say, Lord, help me, no matter what help me is for, really what you're doing is like one of those blind men or that mother or one of the other people, you're crying out and you're saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. When you cry out for his help. Now let's go to verse 14 in Luke chapter 17. It says, so when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, them who? Those 10 lepers, he said to them, he said to all of them, air one of them. Say to the person next to you, he spoke to 10 of them. Come on, say it. He spoke to 10 of them. He said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So how many was there? He spoke to how many? How many went? Okay. How many were cleansed? Okay. Now what that means when it says cleansed is that means at that moment when they obeyed what Jesus told them, the process of leprosy was stopped in their bodies. The leprosy could move no further in their bodies. And it says that, so when he saw them, he said to them, Jesus saw these 10 people. When no one else was looking at them, Jesus saw them. And when he saw them, what did he do? He said something to them. Now, I want to say something to you. When you're hurting or you have a need in your life, if you're dealing with sickness and disease or you have a financial need or you have a relationship need or whatever the situation you might be facing in your life, the best thing Jesus could ever do to you is give you some words. Jesus gave them the best thing he could have possibly given them, and that was his words. His words to you and me are his greatest gift. Man, I wish we could get a hold of that. He said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, the reason that he said that was, according to the law, the Jewish law, that if they got healed, they were supposed to go and let the priest examine them to see if the leprosy was indeed healed and gone. Okay? So, Jesus, you've got this backwards. Okay? What should have happened, Jesus, this is what you and I would say, Jesus, heal me, and then I'll go show myself to the priest. Jesus, make the leprosy go away, and then I will go and show myself to the priest. That's not what Jesus said, is it? 
the only thing he said to them, or the only, really the only thing he did to them was say to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, where was their healing? Their healing was contained in that simple little sentence. Go show yourself to the priest. Now, the only reason to go show themselves would be as if they were healed. Now, you and I would have said, again, why do I need to go show myself? I'm waiting for my miracle. I'm waiting for my healing. But here's what happened. The 10 men, all they did was turned and went. And as they went, they were healed. Okay? Now, I'm going to say something to you. If you're ever in need of a miracle... Write this down, please. When we need a miracle, Jesus is going to give you a word to obey. He's going to give you something to do, meaning something to obey. Might be some simple instructions that he ministers to you down here in your spirit, but there will always be a statement or a, what's called a command of faith given to you that requires action on your part by faith. And when you respond in that way, in obedience, your faith enables the power of God to show up and move in your life. Because here's what would have happened if those, if any one of the 10 would have said, Jesus, I can't, I'm not allowed in public. I can't go see the priest because I'm not healed. Guess what would have happened? He'd have stayed with leprosy. But they turned and they, were, they went. Now, I want to emphasize this to you. Again, pay attention to the details. Notice that as they went, they were cleansed. Okay? Cleansing and healing are synonymous. But Jesus was not through yet. Healing... Now listen to me carefully. Can I teach you for a second here? Healing might not be the completion of what you need. Healing was not the fullness of what these 10 men need. You know why? Because if you're, in, if you're familiar with leprosy at all, leprosy is a thief. Leprosy steals body parts. Now not to be too graphic, but if you got leprosy in your earlobe, your whole ear could fall off. Your nose could fall off. You could lose appendages all because of that horrible disease. And I would venture to say, we don't know, but I would venture to say that in the, this group of 10, surely there are some that the disease had progressed that far. So for the leprosy just simply to be stopped is not completion. And it is not God's highest and best. Now it's wonderful that they got healed, but Jesus was not through. Let's go down to verse 15, Luke 17, verses 15 and 16. And one of them, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How many heard? How many turned and went? How many got cleansed? And one of them, when he saw that he was healed. Now, what's interesting about this, this was an instantaneous healing. Remember, we talked about uh, the, the, the healing in recovery, and sometimes that the, that's the way it works. But in this situation, it was instantaneous. They were able to turn immediately and see, I've been healed. The leprosy has been stopped. And it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a what? Come on, say it like it says it. With a what? Loud voice glorified God and fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a what? A Samaritan. Now, couple of points I want to bring out. Um, this one, as he turned and went, 
he got healed. He saw that he was healed. But when he saw he was healed, he returned to Jesus with a loud voice. And I think I put this on your notes, but in the Greek, I thought this was really interesting. The, the Greek words, it's a compound word, uh, means this, loud voice. It means megaphony. It's where we get megaphone. You know what a megaphone is? Okay. He was loud like he had a megaphone. Hey, I just got healed. He wasn't quiet about it. And so this man got loud in his giving of thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan, right? Okay. Samaritans weren't taught how to praise and worship God. He didn't go to church. He didn't learn that to worship God, you sing the first, second, and fourth stanza, and you repeat the chorus, and then for our next selection, we will have sister so-and-so who will sing, and then that will be our worship. He had not been exposed to that. He didn't know you're supposed to sing two fast songs, one medium speed song, and then a slow song, and go into worship. No, he didn't know any of that. The only thing he knew is I was a leper before I got healed. Jesus poured out his mercy on my life and I'm going to raise a ruckus about it. And so he goes back to Jesus and he's loud about it. I don't know what is the proper way to worship. I don't know what is the proper way to give praise. But I was visibly a leper before, but now I am loudly healed. Hallelujah. So Jesus says something, okay? He says this in verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not, how many? Ten cleansed or ten healed. Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Can I say it to you this way? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this heathen person? You know, there are sometimes, and I think this is going to happen more and more, the closer we get to the return of the Lord, that as God begins manifesting his power, we're going to get around some folks that don't know how to act. They've never been religiously taught. They don't know what you're supposed to do in church. All they know is I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I had leprosy, and now I am healed. And I really don't care what you think about me. I am going to thank the one who poured out his mercy in my life. And we who are churched can't get offended at that. Now, there'll be a time to help them, teach them later on, maybe, but listen, we can't sweat the small stuff. All right, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Verse 19, Jesus said something really interesting, and I put it in both the New King James and the King James here. He said, Jesus said to him, arise, Go your way. So again, pay attention to the... So if Jesus had to tell him to get up, what does that mean he was doing? He fell on his face before the Lord to worship him. Jesus responded and said, Arise, Go your way. The New King James says, your faith has made you well. The Old King James, I like better. It says, your faith has made you whole. Jesus was not through with the other nine. But the other nine missed out on something because they did not do what the one did. What did he do that enabled him to be able to tap into the mercies of God to a level that the other nine did not? He learned or he, he, he acted upon and worshiped the Lord. Now, I would submit to you today, 
One of the reasons that you and I sometimes don't receive a completion of what God wants to do in our lives is because we do not worship him. We receive from him. He goes as far as he can, but there's just something about someone who, who will humble themselves and worship the Lord that enables the Lord to go the, to the next level in what he wants to do in our lives. <clears throat> See, the problem is, is during praise and worship a while ago, I sang too hard, so now my voice is tired. So I'm like, y'all help me next week. Don't let me sing so much, okay? Anyway, no, that's all right. I'm gonna worship God anyway. All right, now I'm gonna say something to you. There was a man, and I've quoted this before, but there was a man, a great minister of, of the Lord. He, he was a, uh, an older gentleman, went home to be with the Lord, I think maybe eight, 10 years ago. His name is Norville Hayes and used to minister a lot with uh, Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland and some others. He was a, just, a, just a great man. But anyway, he said this. He said in prayer one time, the Lord spoke to him and said this, my children basically love me but they live in poverty, sickness, and defeat. They don't live in heaven's blessings because they don't worship me enough. Wow. I don't want to miss out on anything that heaven has for me. And so I, I was made aware of this quote, oh, probably about a year ago, if not a little bit more, and I went to adjusting I began to examine my worship time. And I found out that what Brother Norville said is exactly right, I, as far as I'm concerned. That I have not spend, been spending enough time worshiping him. Now, I want to say something to you about worship, and, and I'm beginning to close. This is my first closing. I get six. Okay, here we go. Write this down, please. Worship is one of the highest flows of faith. Can I say it to you this way? It's one of the greatest demonstrations of your faith is worship. Notice this man, this one that got healed, came and fell down. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened, okay? What had happened was when this man who got healed, the leprosy was stopped in his physical body. When he came and worshiped Jesus, Jesus told him, arise, get up, go your way, for your faith has made you whole. If this guy was missing an ear, I believe at that moment in worship, his ear grew back. His fingers grew back. If he was missing an arm, he got a brand new arm. Somebody says, oh, pastor, that's not. No, don't, uh-uh. No, my God is able. And I believe that in that moment, whatever was missing that that horrible disease had stolen from this man, Jesus restored and made whole. He had already been healed. And that's why I want to submit to you today that sometimes we settle for half of what God wants to do and we, we're glad and excited about the healing, but Jesus wants to make you whole. If you will worship. The man's worship gave him something the others did not receive. Now, I want to say this to you. Remember what, what Jesus, let me go back to the verse. Uh, Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Let me ask you, how many did he want to make whole? 10. He wanted all of them to be made whole. I would submit to you today, there is not a person walking this planet that Jesus does not want healed and whole. Are we willing to do what it takes to go and, and to receive heaven's highest in our lives? 
Jesus was disappointed that the others did not return because he wanted to make them whole too. Now, I want to give you one more point, and and I'm going to show you something, and we'll pick up here next week. Write this down, please. Worship connects us to the mercy and the healing power of God. If you'll study, you know, I just dare you at some point, study the Gospels. Look at what happened when someone would come and fall at his feet and worship him. They never failed to receive what they came for. Never. Now, I want to show you something, and I want to begin to connect the dots for you a little bit. And I want to show you what happened. Somebody said, well, okay, pastor, I understand that I'm supposed to worship. I understand that that in order to tap into the healing power of God, I need to worship. Okay, so how do I worship? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go and look at one last portion of verses in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. By the way, this happens several times in the Old Testament. And as you are aware, the Old Testament, these things were written for us as our examples. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple in all of its glory. I mean, there was not a finer building in the entire world at this moment when Solomon finished constructing the temple. And he brought everybody together so that they could dedicate the temple and that they could worship the Lord for what he had done in helping them build the temple. And so in verse 13, it says, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praise the Lord saying, what did they say? Pay attention to the details. For he is good. For his what? Mercy endures forever. That's why I started the service with that. I promise you, can I, I'll just say this to you and I double dog dare you to try it this week. Get in some time by yourself and just begin. Lord, I love you. I love you, Father, because you are a good God and your mercy endures forever. There's no end to your mercy, God. Lord, I praise you today because you are a good God and your mercy endures. I double dog dare you to do that because here's what I know will happen exactly what happened here. It said for Uh, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, I'm not promising you as you do that, it's going to look like fog rolled into your bedroom or wherever you are, but I will promise you this, the presence of God will show up in your environment. And God will be there. Oh, I wish we could understand that. The creator of the universe will show up. Why? So he can tell you how bad you are, how messed up and jacked up your life is. No, because he wants to love on you. He wants to wrap his arms of grace on your life. The Bible says mercy and grace have kissed each other. I'd love to be able to crawl into the lap of my heavenly father and have him plant one right there. Somebody said, that's weird. No, it's not. As we worship God, we're going to begin to see some completion of things that we've been believing God for, that God has stepped in and he's done some stuff for us, but he's disappointed because he can't do more. And if you'll, there's just something about the mercy of God. There's just something about praising God for his goodness and his mercy that causes him to show up. 
Every time. We see it demonstrated in the Old Testament. We see it demonstrated in the, in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus never walked away from somebody that would cry out and say, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And if Jesus represents the Father, then that's exactly what God will do. Hallelujah. So I tell you what we're going to do. It, we got two minutes till 12. We're going to take two minutes and we're going to worship God. How about it? We may not have any live musicians. We might not necessarily have any live music, but we don't need it. That's just a, a vehicle to help us. But if we'll just do it, so let's just do it. Father, we praise and love you today. We lift up our voices. We lift up our hearts before you to worship you, to tell you how good you are. Oh, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, Lord, I thank you that your mercies know no end, Lord. I thank you that your mercies surround us. They follow us all the days of our lives, Father, because you're a good God. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift it up. Lift it up. Open up your, your voices. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord, because you are good in your mercy. Your mercy, your mercy endures forever. Oh, your mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. Your mercy endures forever. You are a good God. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise and worship your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy of our worship. <laughs> Hallelujah. I keep hearing the Holy Ghost say this. No good thing will I withhold from him who will worship me. No good thing will I withhold from him who will dare to worship and to worship and to worship and to worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Father. I love you, Father. Now, Father, I thank you right now. Your presence is in this room. And so, Father, with your presence, with you, yourself, you brought everything that's part of you, including the healing power of God. So, Father, I thank you right now. The healing power of God is moving in this place, flowing into physical bodies of people that would dare to receive. Lord, thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing each and every one. Thank you for sickness and disease to be driven out. Pain has to go right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we worship you. We praise you and we worship you. Hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. Hallelujah. That's how you do it right there. That's how you do it. I don't care if you're in your car on the way to work. Just begin to say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I worship you today. You've been so good to me. All the times that you've protected me, all the times that you've healed me and delivered me for saving me, I worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Is he good? Does his mercy endure forever? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, Know ye not that you are the temples of the Most High God? What is a temple? It's a place of worship. You are a portable tabernacle everywhere you go. Filled. Now, you've already got God living on the inside of you, and that's great, but it's a whole nother thing when he begins to manifest himself to you. And that's what he's desiring to do among his people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I, I sense in my spirit that there's something that the Lord wants me to deliver. So just listen to this. I'm going to give a message in tongues and then I'll interpret. For I desire to do more than your heart could ever desire for you. For you see, my love for you is greater than you could possibly understand with your natural thinking. I desire to show myself to you, to reveal to you who I am, to reveal to you the fullness of my goodness, my mercy, and my grace. For very few in the body of Christ have tapped into that. It's time for all of my children to be able to dive deep into who I am, to dive deep into my goodness, my favor, my power. Oh, yes, I want to do. I long to do. My heart yearns to do more for my children. If they will only let me, if they'll only receive it, if they'll only believe what my word says, and how much I desire to do for each and every one. For I long to show myself strong on behalf of my children. I want to take you further than you've ever been. I want to take you higher than you've ever gone. I want to propel you into things that you have not even imagined yet. All because of my love and my goodness and my mercy. Just simply receive it and say, that's for me. Simply receive it and long to see what I will do for you in the days to come. 
For yes, the time is short, for my son will be returning soon, but there's still so much to do, so many to be one, so many lives that need my love, my mercy, my deliverance, my redemption, all that has been paid for. And I want to use you to pour that out into a lost and dying world. Let me work through you. Let me show them my goodness and mercy through you and reveal myself to them as I reveal myself to you. For truly, you say it often, but truly, truly, the best is yet to come. The greatest is yet to come. The highest measure is yet to come, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just lift your hands and thank Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're so wonderful, Lord. So merciful, so kind, so gracious, so long-suffering. And we love you. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but it's been good to have been in the presence of God today. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came to church? How about this? Are you glad you are the church? <laughs> Amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.